Welcome to Lessons for Life, where we seek to learn, love, and live the Word of God. Now, here is James Long, Jr. Good morning. Would you turn in your Bibles with me to Psalm chapter 103, Psalm 103. Thank you, praise team. Yes, thank you so much. Psalm 103. It says, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgives all your iniquities, who heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit, who crowns you with steadfast love and mercy, who satisfies you with good so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. Would you pray with me? Father, this morning as we open your word, as we've had the privilege of being able to hear your word read earlier, as we've had the privilege to sing of your majesty, as we've heard prayers lifted up, and now as we open your word, Father, I pray that um, the words of my mouth, I pray that the meditations of our heart will be pleasing to you. Father, I pray that we would see your majesty in our lives. Father, I pray that we would be transformed by you, because you are the one. Father, for the things that may distract us this morning, I pray that we would push them out. I pray that we would be focusing on the only one that's deserving of praise, your Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. In his name we pray. Amen. I don't know if you're like me, but um, I struggle keeping an attitude of gratitude. Do you? Do you ever have a problem with just thankfulness and praise? You know, when things are good in your life, it's pretty easy to praise God and to uplift it. But when things are not going well, when things are difficult, it's a difficult thing to do to praise him. To be honest with you, I I struggle with complaining. Does anybody else here struggle with complaining? No, I guess not, huh? (laughs) All right, you guys can shut your ears. I'll preach to myself this morning. (laughs) No. Um, an uneasy time of expressing gratitude during those difficult times. Yet scripture tells us time after time that we are called to uplift praise to God in good times or in bad. And you know, I find that uh, some people are just never grateful. They never say thank you. You know, my mother kind of taught me to open the door for people especially ladies, and to let them walk through. And I can't tell you how many times I will open a door for somebody and they walk right through and they never say thank you. But I think that we've grown up in that kind of culture that, you know, we believe that people should be doing these things for us rather than just being grateful. And then as you sit down and consider it, the complaining attitude that we have and the ungrateful attitude, we tend to complain to people and about people. And some people are even bold enough to complain to God and even about God. Well, this psalm this morning 
is to that person, to the person that really struggles with gratitude, to that person that really struggles with saying thank you, for that person that really struggles with praise. And it is my hope and prayer this morning that as we leave here, we're going to see Christ in his glory, that we're going to want to worship God, not only with our words, but from our very heart and our lives. Because changing a complaining and an ungrateful mind and attitude is hard work. It's hard work. Would you look here with me in Psalm chapter 103, and just let's look at a couple of verses here and spend some time talking through it. The very first verse says, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. David begins this psalm with a praise, a blessing. He is lifting this urging and this prodding, this stirring of his soul to bless God. In essence, David is preaching to himself a message. And as he's preaching this message to himself, he's encouraging you and I to preach as well to ourselves. David uses this word bless, and as we go through the psalm, you're going to find that he's going to use it oftentimes. And this word bless is synonymous with praise. It means to extol God's worship. It means to elevate his glory, to display him in all the world. Now, the word bless in the Bible is used in two different ways. One, it's God's blessing of you and I. Two, it's how we bless God. Now, when God blesses us, Scripture talks about, we are changed, we are transformed, we are made new. There's something different that should occur when God blesses us. But when we bless God, God is not changed because God is perfect. He doesn't need any improvement. He doesn't need any change. But when we bless him, he is pleased by that worship. He is pleased by that word that we lift to him. So this morning, are we blessing God? It says here, bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. All that is within me is this deepest part of who you and I are. It's the whole soul. It's the whole being blessing of God. You know, um, this came about this Christmas season for me. I, I was sitting there in church, standing there in church as we were singing the hymns. You know, the beautiful Christmas hymns. And as I was singing these hymns, there was something that caught me when we sang, Hark the herald angels sing. Glory to the newborn king. Peace on earth and mercy mild. God and sinners reconciled. And I noticed that I was just mouthing the words. I wasn't even thinking about it. And, you know, for all the years that have been alive, and the thousands of times I've sung that song, I never actually... Heard this. Hark, the herald angel sing. What's the herald angel? I just sang it, but I never thought about it. Hark, the herald angel sing. That this angel is heralding a message. Like Paul Revere ran through the streets of Boston to herald a message of hope or a message that the regulars, not the British, the regulars are coming, the regulars are coming. He heralded that message, Paul Revere did, and this angel had the privilege of heralding the message that Christ, the newborn king, is here. And then when I started to look at those, hark, the herald angels sing, glory to the newborn king, peace on earth, mercy mild, God and sinners reconciled. I challenge you, we can say things with our lips oftentimes, but sometimes our hearts are not there. And, you know, I call that this, this thing, I call it the gap theory. 
And the gap theory is this. When I talk to my clients, I, I talk to them about this gap between what we believe and how we behave. Our professed words, you know, on Sunday morning, praise the Lord, you know, I'll be praying for you, I hope everything works out, you know, God's in control. We say these words, but then in our lives, we find ourselves living so, so differently. And what I find, that's why I call it the gap theory, the wider the gap is between what you believe and how you live, the the greater the discord, the greater the disharmony in your life. But the smaller the gap between those two things, the smaller the gap between that professed belief and the practiced belief, the greater the joy, the peace, the harmony in your lives. And I think Jesus was hitting this point when he talked in Matthew chapter 15. He says, this people honor me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. And then he said, in vain do they worship me. In vain do they worship me. We could be coming here on a Sunday morning. We could be mouthing words of prayer. We can be mouthing words of praise. We can be mouthing words in song. And our hearts are not there. And it means nothing to God. It's useless. It's worthless. Jesus, a little bit later on, says, But what comes out of my mouth proceeds from my heart. I pray, and I hope it's your prayer, that we would pray along with the psalmist when he said, when he said, Let the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be pleasing to you, acceptable to you, my Lord and my Savior, my rock and my Redeemer. Is that your prayer today? Look with me again at verse 2. It says, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all of his benefits. You know, humanity has this terrible time of forgetting what we should remember and remembering what we should forget. What we do is we remember these things from our past, these things that people have said or these things that have been done in our past, and we remember them and we can't seem to let go of them. And those are the very things that we need to let go. Those lies, those deceptions, that pain, that hurt needs to be let go. And yet we struggle with remembering what we should forget or what we do forget. God's word, his, his, his message of hope and healing for you and for me. I can't tell you how many times I sit with clients in my counseling office and they're remembering those hurtful words and I try to ask them to spend some time memorizing scripture and you know what the answer is that they tend to give me? I can't memorize scripture. But yet, they can remember all those hurtful things that have happened in the past. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all of his benefits. It's interesting that uh, when God created you and I, he created us to be dependent upon him. We needed him. He created us to be dependent upon his counsel. We needed his word. And then he created us to be changed and molded by that counsel. And when Adam and Eve, even before sin came into this world, when Adam and Eve were dependent upon God, when they listened to his counsel, and when they were transformed and changed by it, their lives were joyous and glorious. But then all of a sudden, they listened to a different voice. It was no longer the voice of truth. It was the voice of somebody else that came in and took their focus away from God. They started to be counseled by that voice. And then they were transformed and changed by that voice. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all of his benefits. That's great news. 
But there's some bad news here. I'm asking you to read through this psalm later on today, but as you read through this psalm, you're going to find that there's a great need that we have in humanity, and you're also going to find the great blessing and praise that God gives us. The great need is mentioned here. If you just look with with me in in a couple of verses, it says in verse 3, it says that humanity is in great need because we have iniquity. He forgives all our iniquities. We have iniquity. In verse 3, it also says that we have diseases. In verse 4, it says that we are, our lives are in the pit or in destruction. A little bit later on, it says that we are oppressed. It says that we are sinful. It says that we have transgressions. And then in verse 14, read with me here in verse 14. It says, for he knows our frame and he remembers that we are dust. As for man, his days are like grass. He flourishes like the flower of the field. For the wind passes over it and it is gone and its place it knows no more. You know, our lives are fleeting. One preacher said it this way. One out of one of us will die. And the fact of the matter is, unless the Lord Jesus Christ comes back to return us with him, we're all going to leave this earth by dying. Our lives are frail. Our lives are fleeting. Our lives are in great, great need. But the greatness of that need points to the greatness of a Savior. And as you read this psalm, I hope later on this afternoon, I hope you're going to see 18 blessings that God pours out. And all I want to do is just read through these blessings real quick. I want you to pick up these blessings that God has poured out to every single person who knows him as his Lord and Savior. And we need to praise him because of it. In verse 3, it says, he forgives all of your iniquities. When God forgives, he forgives totally and completely. He forgives his, um, our sin and he removes them from us completely. Verse 3 tells us that he heals our diseases. In verse, three, um, verse 4, it talks about redemption. He redeems your life from the pit. We were bought with a huge price, not with silver and gold, as Peter said, but with the precious blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. We sung about that this morning. It talks about crowning in verse 4, that we are dignified and beautified, and that he's bestowed a blessing upon us. We're heirs of God and joint heirs of Jesus Christ. It says in verse 5 that he satisfies not only our needs, but our godly desires. Or as one pastor puts it, he says, God is most glorified in us. When we are most satisfied in him. How satisfied are you in Christ today? He talks about in verse 6, righteousness and justice. In verse 7, he talks about his ways are made known. He reveals himself to us even in his holy word. He talks in verse 8 about merciful and gracious. He gives us less than we deserve. And then on top of that, he gives us what we clearly do not deserve. He's slow to anger. He's steadfast in love in verse 8. That, that's a Hebrew word has said, and it, it basically means that he has a long-suffering love for us. It's an unfathomable love. It is an unlimited love. It is an unrelenting love. He is pursuing you because he loves you with all of his heart. He will not chide, verse 9 says. He will not keep his anger forever, he also said in verse 9. He does not deal with our sins, uh, deal with us according to our sins. He does not repay us according to our iniquities. In verse 12, this is interesting. He says, as far as the east is from the west, so far he removes our transgressions from us. You know, east and west, they never meet. 
So when God separates the believer in the Lord Jesus Christ from their sin, he removes them completely, never to be brought back again. And then finally in verse 13, we see as a father has compassion. You know, I have three children and I hope that I am compassionate to them, but I'm a sinful human being. The compassion that God shows is a compassion that is a perfect compassion, a limitless compassion. He loves you. Now, if that doesn't stir your heart, and if that doesn't stir my heart to bless the Lord, O oh my soul, and all that is within me, as I look at my sin and my need, and as I look at this great God and this great Savior, it should transform me. It should change me. Yet, we yawn through services. Yet, we read his word and get nothing out of it. Yet we sing songs and there's no heartbeat to it. I need you to remember and I need to remember that every one of those blessings, every one of those benefits were given to us by the Lord Jesus Christ, by his death, his burial, and his resurrection for you and for me, if you know that. You know, there's this illustration I heard. Um, I like the Civil War. And in the Civil War, Abraham Lincoln was the president. And Abraham Lincoln hated slavery. So he's walking down this um, corridor in this town, and there was a slave market that was there, and a young woman is up on the platform being sold into slavery. And Abraham joined the bidding. He started to bid on this young woman. He bid on this young woman until he won this young woman. Now, this young woman probably looked at him like, here's another man who is going to just buy me, use me, take advantage of me. And Abraham Lincoln looked in that young woman's face and he said, you are free. Yeah, right, free. Free to do what? Free to do whatever you want. Yeah, right, free. Am I free to say whatever I want? Yes, you're free to say whatever you want. Am I free to be whatever you want and whatever I want? Yes, you're free to be whatever you want. And then there was something that was churning within her because she looked at this man's eyes and she saw something different about him. And something's welling up within her and she says, am I free to go wherever I want? And he said, yes, you're free to go wherever you want. And she said, I want to go with you. And I know it's a human story. But on a human level, I think that symbolizes what Christ should do in a person's heart, we should see a majesty about him and a transformation should occur in our hearts that we want to go wherever it is, even to our deaths, for that God who is willing to die for me. Is that your heartbeat this morning? Look with me here in verse 17, because I think there are three things that are characteristic of this person whose life is a life of praise. It says, but the steadfast love of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting on those who fear him. Fear him. And then it goes on to say, and um, those who fear him, and his righteousness to children's children, to those who keep his covenant and remember to do his commandments. So there's three things pulled right out of the text. That if you want to have a heartbeat, that is a heartbeat of passion, if you want to be a praiser, if you want to have a heartbeat of gratitude in your life, it's the three things that are laid out right here. The first one is that we need to fear God. We need to fear God. Now, most of us will probably ask, what does fearing God mean? I got a simple definition. Reverent submission that leads to faithful obedience. Reverent submission that 
that leads to faithful obedience. One author put it this way, Fearing God is moving from living in terror and dread and trembling and hiding before a holy judge to astonishment, awe, and reverence as we seek and draw near and submit to God, who is not only the holy judge, but also holy love. And as we see that God, we grow deeper in our trust, deeper in our devotion, deeper in our worship. Is that the God that you're serving here this morning? I fear that too many of us don't know that God. Or we know him only surface-wise. Fear God. But the second thing is covenant-keeping. Covenant-keeping. He says this person also keeps his covenant. Not only does he fear God, but he keeps his covenant. And we don't use that word covenant much today, but it's a, it's a rich biblical word. And the idea of a covenant is this. Paint a picture for you. In Genesis chapter 15, you're going to find a story of Abraham having a covenant given to him by God. And if you remember the story, Abraham is out there and God is with him and he prepares the sacrifice. And the sacrifice is created and what they would do is they would split the animals. They would cut an animal right in half and split the pieces right down in two. And that these two people would walk down this aisle between the two pieces. And in essence, what they were symbolizing was this. That if I don't keep my promise to you, if I don't keep my word, I will become like this dead animal on the side. But the interesting thing about this Abrahamic covenant was that normally two people would be walking down the middle of this aisle. But who walked down the aisle? If you read about it, it was God alone who put Abraham to sleep and he alone walked down the aisle and he says, I will keep this covenant to you. I will fulfill this word. I will go to my death for you before I break this covenant. Is that your passion this morning? Fear God. Keep his covenant. And the last one is do his will. Do his will. Jesus says, if you love me, you will keep my Commandments. The obedience of those who keep God's covenant shows the reality of his mercy. They walk in devoted fellowship to the Lord. Second Corinthians says, We with all unveiled faces, beholding as in a glass the glory of the Lord, are transformed into the same image from glory to glory, even as by the Spirit of the Lord, that that glory should be transforming you and I into something different in our lives. David ends this psalm here in verse 20. He says, if you read with me, it says, Bless the Lord, all you angels, you mighty ones who do his word, obeying the voice of the word. Bless the Lord, all you hosts, his ministers who do his will. Bless the Lord, all you works in all his places of his dominion. David is calling all of creation to praise God. He started with preaching just to himself in the middle portion of this. Then he went to all of us corporately need to be praising him. But now he is calling all of creation, the angels and everything on all of creation to praise him. There's a crescendo. It's like a great song. You know, a great song kind of starts out slow and then it builds to that huge climax and then it comes back down to the end. And that's exactly where David is here. He's calling all of creation to praise God. And he ends with verse 22. Bless the Lord, O my soul. He goes right back to where he began. He's preaching the gospel to himself. He's preaching this message to himself. So I ask you, my brothers and sisters, this morning, are you a grateful person? 
am I? Are we people of gratitude? Is your life one of praise? Is your lip service heart service? You know, I like reading about the, uh, the martyrs. You know, we've got it pretty easy here in the United States. There are people around this world that are suffering persecution after persecution. And, you know, the sad reality, reality is this. I think that some of our faith here in the United States is pretty weak. I don't know what would happen if we had to endure some of the persecution that some people have to endure. Think about the martyrs that have gone before us to give us the word that we have this morning that we preached from. Think of those that died to bring that to you. I want you to consider the fact that when they went to their deaths, they didn't go there cursing God. They didn't go there rejecting God. They went there praising God. And yet, I struggle with somebody's riding too slow in front of me in the car and I want to complain. What is it that we're focusing on today? Praise the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Praise his holy name. Father, we, um, we just want to thank you. Because our need is great. And your grace is amazing. Father, I pray that you would help us to have a new vision of your grace. A new vision of your word. A new vision of your son. Father, more than just words that we sing, and as we're going to sing a song here now, Father, more than just words that we sing with our lips, I pray that it would resonate deep in our hearts, and I pray that you alone would be glorified. Father, you are most glorified in our lives when we are most satisfied with you. Help us to be intimately satisfied with you today. In Jesus' matchless name we pray. Amen. This has been Lessons for Life with James Long, Jr. We hope you've been blessed. For more information, go to jameslongjr.org.